Customers love options. Bike builders like options too. When you're looking for the highest quality plug and play lighting for your V-Twin, why not make the same choice as professional builders and make the switch to electric lighting? Electric lighting is the choice of builders like Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness. Even builders like myself have made the switch to electric lighting. Electric quality isn't just quality you can see, electric quality is quality you can feel. Did I mention that electric lighting was the first manufacturer to offer a lifetime warranty on all LED turn signals? Visit your local independent motorcycle shop or online at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. As a lifelong mechanic, I figured I'd already tried every type of hand cleaner imaginable. From mom's dish soap to dad's pumice bars. From powders to lanolin-based cleaners. I was just about to give up, say forget it, and mix up my own concoction. But then I heard about Full Bore Hand Cleaner. Full Bore isn't just another hand soap. Full Bore is a hand scrub. Full Bore is formulated right here in the USA with features like soft abrasives, skin moisturizers, and special odor eliminators. So there's no need to rewash your hands before dinner. Full Bore also has no harsh solvents, and that means there's no sticky film left behind, and Full Bore won't irritate open cuts. When you're ready to get clean, go Full Bore. Visit FullBoreClean.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILT to receive free shipping on orders over $70. Welcome back to the Helen Wheels GarageBuilt Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. Today, I sat down with my buddy, Brian Butera from Butera's Metalworks in Lakeland, Florida. We talk about everything from BMX to MMA to... His bike builds. Brian was the winner of the 2019 LA House of Machines Golden Bolt, which was a $30,000 prize. So we talk about that. We talk about what his next build is going to look like and what he sees the future of our industry. So without further ado, I give you Brian Butera. It's real easy. We just kind of bullshit. We're just talking about, you know, what's going on with us and where we've been. What, you know, there's a lot of things that I want to talk to you about, though. Um, I wrote, I don't write down, I usually don't write down notes. I just write down like one, two word excerpts so that I don't fucking forget. Uh, so I don't forget to ask you about things because <clears throat> I started thinking about like uh, when you had texted me, I started thinking about, I was like, yeah, there you go. I don't want um, to screw I'm, the knife up. Oh, yeah, no worries, dude. This is the second knife they've given me. Uh, I bought it. Actually, a, an employee bought it for me for Christmas, like, fuck, dude, 12 years ago. And um, I fucking wore it out, wore it out, broke the tip off, and it had a lifetime warranty from Snap-on. So I gave it to the Snap-on dude. He sent it away. It was gone for, like, eight weeks. I had to buy a burner knife so that I still had one. When it came <laughs> back, it didn't say Snap-on anymore, so... It's not that it's a different knife, basically, is what I was saying. So, yeah, it's always good to take notes so you kind of know what you're gonna, what <clears throat> right. path we're gonna. I mean, take. yeah, you want it to, but the most important thing is it's not an interview; it's just fucking two dudes hanging out. But, um, I it's one of the I guess the best place that I've been thinking about where to start was, 
it's clear um it's clear to me that you and I have a lot of the same uh at least I think we both gravitate to a bike that looks a certain way like I'm you look at a lot of builders and what they build and then what they ride is very different and I'll give you an example the best one I can think of honestly is Billy I think when left to his own devices um Billy wants to build stuff that's he likes the vintage shit I mean he really 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 that's what he knows that's what he's into that's what he rides but the stuff that I like from Billy is like misbehaving whole lot of Rosie the high neck choppers blue blues is a perfect example of what I think a perfect <clears throat> chopper would be you know a high neck chopper you know and then you got you got guys like uh Billy does that you look at what um Jesse builds for himself and if Jesse's going to build something for himself it's almost always a Dyna or a bagger and it's fast it's got bags and a fairing and a real hot motor in it and stuff i mean it's 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 meant to ride long distance what your bikes all have kind of you can walk by your bike and you can see it's a it's a butera metals works bikes and so what is that are you building what you like or are you building are you building like do you have a vision in your head like art like it's going to pull a certain a certain group of people in um you know, like with Billy's, you said that you like his vintage, you like the, the Billy Lane style, what you think of, those bikes that, you know, are right. the all-star lineup. And apparently that's what everybody still likes even today because, you know, last I knew he had like five builds on his lifts and that's what everybody wants is right. that nostalgic Billy Lane look. Yet he's riding around on, you know, a 48 knuckle and all this other stuff that, and the sun to speed and all that. So I think it's a wide range. You know, the first bike I did, the shovel, I just built something that I thought was cool. You know, I had this vision, and I kind of followed it. You know, I, I didn't – I wasn't embedded in the scene enough to really understand, you know, what was the, you know, the right way or the wrong way to do it. You know what I'm saying? It was like no. kind of – I had this idea, and I didn't really – wasn't exposed to a lot of the stuff yet. That's almost a good thing because you struck a chord. I mean – Yeah, I there guess. was influences, like, for sure. Like, I mean, you can see, you know, like – Bill Dodge and stuff, you know, I've been into like those guys that have been around a long time that like I said, you, you're drawn to things and you're right. drawn to styles. And those, those I think are my influences and, and Jesse and those guys, obviously that kind of in our age group that when we were at an age of getting into fabrication or interest in something on our own, that was what was in our face and it was badass, you know? So, so I, I think, you know, and I, I always talk about my BMX background I've got that written down to talk about. Yeah, so it, you know, that I think I try to throw that that in a little bit, that style, that BMX-ish feel as much as I can into a motorcycle, you know, a functional motorcycle. Is that um, where like the numbers come from? Like on 2, you've got the number 2 on it, obviously it's a second bike and there, there's some homage to that, but that bike to me when you break it down, it's got it's got mag wheels that are kind of tough wheel or moto mag reminiscent right it's got a stainless yep. frame so it kind of looks nickel you know it's got that it's got that moto mag feel to it if, if you know what i mean yeah you know the classic uh for me late 80s early 90s bmx scene you know the chrome gt frames and the uh you know like i said the mag wheels were kind of around and so it you know that i see that in my head and i don't do drawings and everything beforehand really? no i'm pretty you know, all the dimensional stuff I figure out and I draw, but, and I know what that'll give me roughly, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, I don't have it all. I mean, 
CAD drawings and all that stuff. I don't even know how to do that. You know, it's a, you've been to my shop, you know, yeah. it's pretty primitive. So, um, it's well equipped though. I mean, for one guy doing one bike at a time. Yeah. You know, and I've built it up. Um, and even through this, you know, with the golden bolt and stuff, some extra cash allowed me to buy some, you know, still a happy medium of equipment, you know, but I, but you know, the, the red bike, the shovel, I built that in a one car garage, you know, in the other house we lived around the corner. And so, but yeah, they all have that. When I did that, when it was just set out to have a BMX feel, you know, I love the, I'd seen Bill's bike with the 23s on the front and, right. and I love that look, especially with the knobby tire, which goes right into, you know, the, the BMX, the BMX th- theme and the stripped down simplistic style, you know, that, 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 you know, there's a motor in it, but not much else. You know, it's like, it's just stripped down both my run magneto. So I don't have batteries and you know, all that stuff. It's super simple and much as a bike feel as I can, you know? Sure. So the, it, to me, so I don't know, to some degree, you're definitely playing to yourself then on, on what you like. And that's, that's good. That's, I think that's where this all should start. Um, you look at, there's certain guys where you look at it, you can kind of identify Warren's bikes are pretty easy to identify. Not for sure. Not from a repetitive nature, just from a standard that he set of what things have to look like coming out of his shop you have a standard of what things need to look like coming out of your shop. So your bikes parked next to each other. It's pretty evident that, that they came out of the same, they came from the same brain. Yeah. When we were just at the handmade lot, you know, you know, some of the times we had taken some of our bikes to the shows over there, or even just to be involved for display. And then the other maybe left at the lot. So my, my two bikes were separated at times and people put it together that it was the same builder from across the event, you know, like they, they put, that to, you know they could see the similarities between the two and say man that that's just like the one we saw over there and then I talked to him and put it all together <clears throat> so so yeah I guess I tried to stylistically after I did the first one make something really different more of a traditional chopper you know than, than the first one so that's that's where that style came from but it was it's still a fast you know kind of fell into what I like in that realm of bikes so and I think if you dig deep enough in it, you know, just, or even on the surface, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, obvious influences from guys that, you know, as simple as it is and as, uh, you know, as little as there is to it, that right. it, it still falls into somebody's, there's things you can pick out that, Hey, that's, you know, one of the things Jesse esque or Bill or, you know, or, Oh yeah, you know. for sure. I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's got the high neck look to it. It's got the Spartan look to it where there's, you know, there's nothing unnecessary on it, but it does have nice, a nice, you know, one of the things that I, I don't understand, um, I get not repeating other people's work and I get not copying other people's work. And, and although I will say that I don't think there's anything really new right now. I mean, not terribly, you know, there's new ways to do it. There's new ways to skin a cat, but your bike definitely has the cues that it needs to have so that it fits into a genre of a bike at the same time, not, I don't think, I mean, you definitely did it the way you wanted to do it so that it wasn't, it wasn't somebody else's work. I mean, it's very simple looking bike, but it's at the same time, it's, it's an extremely complex project. Yeah. And I, I do little things. I try, you know, with both bikes, the stainless frame is, you know, I do try to be a little different in materials I use. Um, you know, cause that's, that's one way they're similar and kind of different than most of the stuff out in the lot with them. Um, 
Welding stainless yeah. is different, isn't it? Uh, it is. You know, that's those come about, and I got into or want to do it in stainless. Is and I've talked about it a lot. That's where my background's at in fabrication. So, um, majority of my years in metal fab is in food grade, pharmaceutical grade, close tolerance stainless work. So, um, you know, just f- fabrication is fabrication. So it just transfers over to motorcycles. But it's essentially the same thing. So, you know, where if you haven't worked with stainless, it's, you know, notoriously problematic with pulling issues, heat distribution. A lot of There's a lot of factors that can be an issue with stainless for somebody that's not familiar with it. But with so much experience with it, it's just that that's my comfort zone. So in right. um, a frame, once I really took the time to understand frame geometry and educate myself on doing it the right way it was a relatively simple fab project so where do you start when you have something like that you said you don't do cad drawings but you are by trade you're you're a what you would consider if not a classically trained at least a um a professional fabricator professional level fabricator on on like you just mentioned food grade commercial stuff a lot of experience with stainless steel so if you don't draw plans, you, I mean, there, how much math is involved when you're building a frame? Uh, in a frame, you know, in terms of, of an overall bike build a lot. Um, and I guess for what it is, it's pretty significant. Um, both bikes I've done, I, I did the front ends as well. So, you know, you have all the geometry to get your trail right. And so there's a fair amount of math, you know, and, and, I, and I do draw out, like I said, the the geometry side, make sure everything's right. I do the drawings for the, they're very simple. They're very, you know, it's just lines, numbers, and making sure everything's right. They're not anything to really lay out what it's going to look like per se. Right. Other than some lines. But, uh, you know, what once all the mounts and motor mounts and everything are kind of, they're all fixtured. So everything, all the upfront time and to build, proper fixturing and everything to do a frame is really, it, it makes it easy um, or easier, right. I should say. You know, I mean, having all that in place uh, saves you a lot of time and, and what's involved in doing a frame. It takes out all the math work. You do it all up front, you know, for, for right. to do it. So you don't, it becomes more of a, you know, production style setup. So are you at a level right now where you can take on a production? Like if someone, not a production, I don't mean that, but I mean, if someone called you and said, Hey man, I really like that number two bike. Could you build me a frame like that to build? Is that something you would build for somebody or based on the fact that it's stainless steel or, um, you know, is that, what's the qualifier for that as far as somebody wanting something to be built? That's, that's probably the number one thing I get asked, uh, work-wise are the stainless frames. Right. Um, you know, and, and hardtail and shovels and stuff is right behind it, but the stainless frames, they are kind of a situational deal for me. Um, you know, I don't knock them out for everybody to go ride the hell out of on it. It's not the ideal for metal for that. You okay. know, we, we all know that. Um, I mean, we won't get into all the metallurgical the, yeah, properties. And- that, that's, that's probably even above my head, but, but we do know it's, it's not ideal. Um, sufficient, I think, yes, if properly done with the fit up and, and all the things that go with fab, but, uh, you know, I, I, I've done a couple, I'm doing one now that's pretty entailed. Um, 
it's going to be all engraved and it's a builder um, for another builder that does high-end bikes and it's primarily a show bike um you know and, and i've done one other one that went out for for pretty much the same situation so you know if you got something that you want to jump on and ride like some of these bikes you know ride right. um i don't recommend it you know and it and it's you know, it is what it is. It's stainless is stainless. Um, you know, and safety is always the most important. Now, you know, the the second frame I ever built was the number two bike in stainless. And you know, I went to Gal- L.A. and did 30 miles and then jumped on Galveston, did 80 miles. And L.A. has some horrible roads, dude. Oh, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was, I mean. It's a toss-up. Have you ever ridden in New York City? I never have. I, never, I was talking to Jeff about it. Um, Cochran about you know how they used to ride through New York and right because I'd done the Galveston ride with them both years I was part of it and he was comparing it to that and how intense you know New York is but I've, I've never been up there to ride it's a it's it's a it's not for the faint of heart myself Darren Williams uh Paul Weidman Evan and a couple of our customers we we went to the Indian Larry block party in 07 and uh rode in every borough it was it was probably the fastest twenty four hours of my life. It was just a <laughs> it was it was a shit show. It was we had a good time, but it was it was it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> I had never ridden anything like that, and we got out to L.A. and you know we were the ride was the qualifying ride was a halfway checkpoint turn around and come back. Sure. So the first half of the ride was we were pretty much waiting. You know we we're kind of in traffic. My bike got really hot, had issues. Well, the way back. A lot of circumstances, and we realized there was a time limit that we didn't realize till we left the halfway point. Sure. So it was a way different ride on the way back, and that was my first experience ever. Splitting lanes and going through traffic and blown intersections and all the stuff that, you know, on a bike that... You hear about. Yes, and, and I, especially on, you know, suicide shift, foot clutch, no front brake, you know, and, and bars that are super narrow, super narrow. you know. Makes and, it easier to split lanes. It does, and it's super responsive, <laughs> but it's sketchy as fuck, dude. It's just the way it is. It's just, you know, until you get going, it's but it's fun. I mean, I remember going through through cars in third, fourth gear. I mean, we're flying through there. It was. That's moving. Yeah. Xavier, me, Rick, Nick, um, you know, and just wiggling through and going through and cars getting out of the way and us kind of pushing through and. I think we got back literally. I'd have to ask Kevin, but it was with minutes, you know, like minutes, minutes to, to spare. spare. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Tell me about tell me about your experience with the Golden Boat. We'll just we'll go from we'll 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 do it. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. We won't go all the way to the beginning and tell the story. We'll we'll work our way backwards. Tell me about the, the Golden Boat was was a was a pretty pretty big weekend for you. Pretty big weekend for everybody involved i mean that's not something you can just show up with a motorcycle that's that's an invitation right so there were some things that led up to that can you, can you let's talk about that tell me about that um yeah i guess uh, i don't know really where the invite came from i think it was just exposure with you know the first bike and making contacts and you know just kind of how the scene goes and so i got invited to it and it was right after sturgis if you remember i think uh my, I debuted the bike in Sturgis at, yeah. at Michael Lichter's show, yep. and uh, Michael sends the bike out there and ships it out. And so when we realized we got the invitation to the Golden Bolt, uh, 
shipping the bike back home wasn't going to work. And, and you know, I still had to get it running. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I had just finished it in time. Yeah. The, my, my leg. Yeah. But, Fuck, dude. Yeah. Both of everybody I know's leg gun. So, you know, it was a crazy rush. So I think I had, but we decided, Nick and I, because I had flown out and ended up driving back with Nick, put our show bikes in his trailer. And we had five days before him and I headed out. We picked up Xavier in Austin. Right. And then we all rolled out in my truck and trailer to L.A. straight through. And, uh, I mean, that was a crazy ride. So you get to L.A. and we're just shot already, or I was. You right. Know? I mean, I had been up for however many days straight. And I don't know. how I've never been able to do that. I, I hit just, that 24-hour mark, and I'm like, deuces, I'm out. I used to drive trucks over the road for a little while, so it just got, it's part of it, you know. But, uh so we got out to LA and, and we got in in the morning and Xavier knew a lot, a big empty lot where they used to park their tour bus and right. do this deal out there. So we kind of had a hookup for everything. You know, breakfast was brought out to us by somebody brought <laughs> us up breakfast, you know, some, some drive through breakfast sandwiches and tacos. And so we got, that's where we got the bikes tuned in at. Um, and, and Xavier and Nick helping me were imperative. You know, they got me tuned in out there and, and, and uh, quick, you know, school lesson deal out out in the sure. middle of nowhere and uh so we got to our place and and then um we got down to where at the house of machines where where it was at and yeah there's max he's in and those guys that, you know like buzz uh, canter right yeah um bob uh, k Roll, but- rolling sands had a bike in it yeah um you know rick bray who did his bike in five weeks um was just on the cover of cycle source five weeks that's insane i mean that bike in a year is in is just unbelievable and he did in five weeks but right you know it's like the bikes were i had never been to anything like that it was you know in the back of of the of the bar and down there in la and and you know at nighttime they have this party and there's kind of the who's who's coming through through la and so it's pretty neat experience and and uh once we did the ride i mean that was once we got that out of the way it was kind of smooth sailing, but it was an intense ride, you know. I mean, when you, we got back, I was expecting to that be the big hurrah and party, and we made it and do it up, and I think we were all back in the house and in bed by probably 10 o'clock. We were just... Cooked, right? Yeah, the <laughs> adrenaline. It was it was hot, and it was, uh, I mean, a 30-mile ride, I think, ended up taking us three and a half hours or something like that. So, inclu- wow. including our... I mean, I had to cool the bike down at the halfway point. You know, getting kicked out of the hotel there, all the, all the bikes. Really? Yeah, it was, you know, I shut the bike down. We were all rolling into the checkpoint, and I was like a block away. We were stuck in traffic, and my bike was just, I mean, I had like 20 miles on the on the motor rebuild. Yeah. And uh, so I pulled over to shut it down because I knew it was like right on the right on the verge. So I um, pulled over and... and put on the kickstand and and I look around and I don't even realize all these people are standing around and I'm right there where the stars are right on, you know, Oh, right on Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard. And I'm like a sideshow sitting there with my bike. This guy's giving me water. And so I'm I'm actually all the places to stop, but so it it was right in the heart of it all. And, uh, so when we got back, it was, I think there was, uh, another day before they did judging and, so bit, this wasn't all just this wasn't just like a whirlwind where it's just like boom 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 you were done. You had you, there was day, how many days were you in LA? 
Um, I think we were there three or four days. It was a weekend deal. I think we got in. We had we did the ride on Thursday. Really? Um, if I remember, if I remember right, the ride was on Thursday, and then um, there was Friday, Saturday. I think Saturday night was the awards. Okay, and then you head out Sunday. So when so Thursday the ride goes off, right? And there's were there any bikes that didn't qualify? Yeah, there were a couple. Um, one due to time or mechanical failure. Uh, one or two never made it off the line. They, okay. they they I don't know if they ever they couldn't get them started or had problems. Um, and I think one had a mechanical failure along the way. And I believe that was it for the most part. They all made it. So you have you've got a ride on Thursday. Friday is what type of an itinerary? Um, I think that was the you have like the VIP party, um, house house machines. Yeah, not like not like a list, you know, people, but some, uh, you know, some people that were big in LA, and I'm not up on everybody, but sure. I noticed a couple guys like Josh Barnett and a couple of the old UFC guys, and um, had some. I had some friends come in from Vegas, and so there was. I mean, nobody like you know chasing anybody for autograph, sure, superstar. Well, but but it was. I think that's kind of like that's kind of a sublime. When you're in an event like that, I don't think that really happens as much as what it would happen if they were walking down the street. You know, yeah, what I mean? I and, mean, it's and kind it, of a and it had a really House of Machines has like a really cool vibe, man. It's like you know, it's almost like a speakeasy. Like you come in and is it open to the public? It is. The front is uh and then I think they do concerts and private stuff in the back where the bikes were. Right. But that was open. They had it shut down. I think it was Friday and then it was completely shut off only to judges. So they did all the judging and stuff and mm. then, and then we in the course of that you had a time slot. We had 3 minutes to go over our bike with the judges. So and So walk us through that. What what kind of dialogue happens there? I mean, what is that? Um I mean, because let's by this time you've you've won arguably the biggest shows in the world with your other bike, right? You've won you, you know, won AMD. No, I've never been to AMD. I'm supposed to go this year. Which one did you win that qualified you to go? Because you went. Where's where did the red bike go? I know it went to it went to the Middle East. Yeah, at first it went to it. Uh, well, it qualified to go to Switzerland in Sturgis, uh, two thousand eighteen. Okay. And then in 2000, early 2019, it went to the um, Swiss Moto. Okay. Custom Swiss, Swiss Moto. Moto okay. Show. I'm I'm conflating that with AMD. No, it just, you know, the AMD is every two years, like the world championship. Sure. You know, with Intermont and all that stuff. Um, but this was just kind of a international trip it took. Because then from Switzerland, it, it won best to show there. And that was a big deal. You know, Keanu Reeves had his stuff there. And he was there. And. For Switzerland, that was a it's a six story building and it's right. nothing but motorcycles and every major major manufacturer every, it's represented everything yeah it's huge so um <gasps> you know that that went and that sent us to Abu Dhabi which was a uh, custom show Emirates which right. is it they're in, it's con, in conjunction with um, SEMA here in the USA so it's okay. kind of their version of of SEMA. I, a part of me feels like there is a part of me that it, not a racist part of me or anything like that, but it, there's a part of me that I'm real suspect about going to the Middle East. Like, <laughs> and, and it's because part of it has to do part and parcel of, I know what an idiot I am. And, Everybody and I don't want to be one of those guys that, uh, that ends up, you know, 
with a fucking sock in my mouth and I'm missing my right hand and I'm, you know, breaking big rocks into small rocks till Christ <laughs> calls the Jews home because I, I said fuck or I stepped over a line or I didn't bow to somebody or something. But so there's, I'm just, I'm afraid of the culture difference there. So, but there's another part of me that everything I hear from anybody who goes over there, I've never heard anything negative. Yeah. Was- and I'm talking about more specifically um, Dubai. Yeah, you know, and Dubai is, it's the Orlando or the LA of, you know, the Middle East. It's it's tourism. It's, you know, everything there is, and I think they give you a lot of leeway. <laughs> they right. kind of know that people are coming in from, you know, um, I had no idea what to expect or I, I read a little bit kind of the do's and don'ts before I left, you know, but, and even kind of in the, in the bike scene, a lot of people, I guess there was a show over there years ago. Or at some point, and the guy was just, it, it was, it wasn't a good deal. It was, it was, right. it was a mess, you know, and, uh, the promoter or somebody went over there from here. Um, the show as a whole had a bad reputation okay. and a lot of people had bad stories from, you know, got you, got you. so this was totally different, but you know, that, that apparently, you know, I heard a lot of, you know, I wouldn't send my bike over there. You know, I wouldn't go over there. Or you never get it back or all the, you know, all these horror stories and. Well, it's the worst thing that happened, you know, I lose my shit, but I mean, right. I mean, I'm always kind of been down for whatever. So we, of course we're going to go. So we go over there and, you know, it was probably because you have preconceived notions of what it's, you know, sure. you, just like you, the exact thing like you were what saying. I just said, yeah, uh, you exact, know, it doesn't come from a bad, please understand it doesn't come from a, no. a negative place. It's just from an ignorant place, right? I don't know. I mean, I've done some world traveling, but really it's been limited to the UK. I mean, that's where I go when I go out of the country. Well, and I, I'd never been out of the country other than, you know, Mexico before this whole bike thing, this before these experiences. So, but when we got there, you know, everybody was really polite. And, right. uh, and, and it was, you know, there were some things that were strange and cultural differences, but you know, you understand that there were no issues and, and, uh, you know, like you said, losing a hand or something. And it, I think I told you a story. We, when we left the show that last night, everybody was going to go out and the bikes were left out back and, and it was kind of like a civic center like right. in the part of, in this part side of town. And, and if you didn't know better, it'd be like any other town, you know, in America, if it, if sure. as long as you don't look around too close and, uh, for all intents purposes, you know, so it's, it's night, it's nighttime and our, and my buddy, Stefan with T4, he's out of Switzerland, Geneva, his bike's in an open crate. Right. And mine's in a wooden one that I built that I kind of put back together and they're just sitting out in this parking lot and everybody's taking trucks and running their bikes off and they're going and basically there's just two bikes sitting out in this right. empty parking <laughs> lot all night. And, and Stefan was really stressed about it. And I, kind of asked our guys that took care of everything for us while we're there. And they got, they came and explained to us that you don't have anything to worry about. You know, like nobody's going to steal your stuff. It doesn't happen. So we got the, we got the lowdown about stealing. So if you lose your hand, I mean, that's just the way it goes there. So <laughs> they like, nobody's going to mess with your bike. So we, that was enough assurance for me. And we're like, all right. And sure enough, they were there till the morning and they came and got them. And it, so it, a lot of things are strict, but a lot of things you don't think go on, I can tell you do go on. So it's Is there a scene there? Is there a motorcycle scene? Yes. And so yes, tell me, did you get to experience any of any of that from from, um, uh, from a pedestrian level at all? No, I, I mean I talked to the 
guys were really interested in the whole American scene. I mean, there's they have their own whole scene. They're really into bikes. They 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 riders. I mean, they they got club the club scene over there. So they that got, was the next question I was going to say. So what is it? What is an what does a one percenter look like in Dubai? Um, you know, it's it's no it's society over there just pulled from society. They're their makeup of people and their demographics that make up, you know, what they would here, the one percenter lifestyle. And, and they have it. I, I forget the name of the big club out there, but, um, or in that area we were in, but it wasn't, wasn't one of the ones we know, you sure. know here, but, um, even though most of them are worldwide, but forget what it was, but they were all cool, interested, really, you know, wanted to know about the bikes and, and a lot of guys talked about how much they ride and, where they've ridden out, you know, within their their region out there, and they ride mostly at night, don't they? Yeah, it's I, hotter I, than a mother effer during the day. Yeah, it how is. hot did it get during the day? Uh, well, I mean, we, you're from we, you you grew up in Vegas for for a good deal of time, so yeah, similar to that. It had that feel, that desert feel, you know. And and we didn't go out much. It rained a lot the time we were there. Really? Yeah. So we had a kind of weird weather, kind of overcast the whole time. So we we didn't get the brunt of it. We we're gonna go to the beach. Some of the people went to the beach, but we went to the did the normal sightseeing stuff through right. Abu Dhabi and uh, and Dubai. You know, is that place expensive? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Really? You know, there's everything's high end there. You know, you see a lot of. We got to the uh, the airport. When you get off the airport and you're walking through, every clock on the wall is Rolex. Everything's Rolex. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> throughout the whole airport. Um, you know, like you're going down, we drove when they took us to the, from the airport to the hotel in Dubai the first night we're on the, what's like the highway. And yeah, you know, there's <laughs> these car, like Porsche 911 twin turbos going by and like just these, are they running them out? The air in them out? No, no. I mean, I think everybody's kind of in the 80, 90 mile an hour range, you know I mean? We were moving, but I mean, it, it was just, there's money out there, but at the same time, everybody's, oh man, everybody's going to buy your bike every, you know, millions of dollars and all, they're all loaded. And, and I didn't get that feeling, you know, right. I mean, I felt that there was a lot of, uh, you know, they, they had Starbucks in, in the lobby out there and somebody's working at Starbucks, you know, and yeah, so somebody's, somebody's making an equivalency and, right, and somebody which. explained, I think they broke it down, like how much they make, but there's a whole I forget it, it's it's complicated, but it, it, it I mean they, on paper they make tons of money, but it like the cost of living yeah, it's, it's economy to scale right it scales up scales down yeah so there's I lots mean, of places in the world that are like that you know the people that came through there's that picture I posted it a few times it was pretty neat that you know I'm with all the guys in their their full yes. guard up in, in, in my bike and that was before the show started and that was um, one of their sheiks and. You know, we looked him up and his worth. And so that was, and that's their security behind them. Sure. Uh, if you see. So, you know, they, when they came through, I mean, they put flowers out before he came in the building and he sat out there for an hour after just taking pictures with people and sitting in this big chair. And I mean, it, it's, it, you know, they, it's, it's just a different, a little bizarre. Yeah, man. Like they're, and he was, he's not even like the top dude. He was like, you know, like, third, like the top dude's nephew. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like third down from the big shot. And they're like, he was the great, I mean, it was, it was insane. So, but it's neat. They, you know, they're into, you see a lot of their stuff that's more, um, 
you know, it, it's almost like it was, it's like a throwback to stuff we were into maybe 10, 15 years ago, right. but their own spin on it. Right. You know, so it's yeah, like, there's a dude that I follow. Um, I want to say it's chic customs. That's my friend. I'm, I'm mad. He's from Saudi Arabia and his stuff is, um, well done. And, but it, it's ornate to a degree. Like there's that, there's kind of, you know, there's that, that, that spin on it where it's, you can tell where it's, it's a little over, over the top. I mean, you know, different regions are, you know, it's funny if you ever go to like somebody, well, it, probably, obviously you've probably been to a Greek person's house, like an old Greek person's house. They usually, they've, they've got some pretty ornate shit, you know, yep. an old Italian will have some pretty ornate shit. It's just, it's, um, it's, it carries over right from generation to generation. Yeah, I met I met him uh, first in person in Switzerland. He was set up next to us. We were with the rat told get up out there, and he right. he had his deal right next to us, and we met. And I think actually, had, you know, this just shows the beauty of the internet. You know, we had known each other's work, but got to meet in person. You know, from around yeah. the world. But he he's a he's trained for. You know, he went to school in New York, to college in New York. Right. He's a really uh, I believe he has an engineering degree. Um, I mean, he'll get like a, a brand new Lamborghini in there and just go to like cutting the fenders, you know, just like with a cutting wheel. Just yeah, like, I'm out. <laughs> and you for know? that reason, I'm out. <laughs> you know, but and uh, he works with Rick a lot, Rick Bray. Rick, Rick's okay. done some stuff for him. I know some framework and some. So does he go there or? He sent, ships it, ships okay. it out to him. Um, and a lot of those guys out there are big into our stuff. You know, Ahmed's in Saudi Arabia. I met the three brothers in. Uh, out there in, in Dubai um, that do really awesome work. And right. they're, they're real interested in our frame, you know, American frames and parts and stuff we do. And so that, you know, getting the different cultures and going to those different parts of the world really teaches you a lot. I, I think now I haven't been, I know the show in Italy is a really big deal. Um, and of course the AMDs, which right. um, I just got an email about today, if it's going to happen this year or not still in the air, but, um, I haven't been to those yet to maybe where the highest level engineering and stuff is in the bikes, but in what I have been around the world and then all the shows we've gotten, been able to do here in the past couple of years is, you know, our stuff here is amongst the best anywhere. I know Japan's pushing it and stuff, but I mean, the stuff here in USA, Switzerland was kind of, they're you, a little bit behind, you know, like over there. So, I mean, what do you think, what do you think the, the cause of that is? Do you think it's a cause and effect just based on, um, the availability of, of different cultures, or do you think it's a cause and effect of the availability of different um, raw materials or parts and accessories and that? You know, I, I've thought about it, and you watch these guys. Like, I follow some guy in Thailand or something doing stuff with sport bike-style bikes that, I mean, about as primitive as you can possibly get, you know, and, and then with materials and my our friend Doreen Doreen and and you know Romania he was telling me like when he came and stayed with us I ran him to the local hardware store which I'll hit three times a day sometimes you sure, know getting everything I need something. yeah this or that and has everything in the world I need well if he orders that you know he, he which he has to do right. it could be a week or so before he gets the, the bolt he needs you know I mean the materials he gets so and he's doing stuff that is mind i mean his stuff his stuff is mind-blowing and he's and he's doing it you know and he's got i mean i'm you know when i watch a guy like him work and see what he produces and then i go in back and look at you know like i'm i i 
it really kind of makes me feel like I'm, I, I can't even wrap my head around how I, I, my brain doesn't go to, I'm going to cut an engine in half and take an inch and a half out of it and cut a transmission in half and take an inch and a half out of it. And when someone goes, why are you going to do that? I'm just going to go, <laughs> you know, I'm cause I, cause no one's done it yet. Right. Yeah. The, the, I mean, there's <laughs> the scope guys. of that kind of work is, is mind blowing. Yeah. And there's a select, you know, a few guys out there that are doing it. At, I mean, that just blow, I think everybody's mind. You no. know I mean? That, 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 you know, and, I, and I've been a fabricator for a long time, but I'm the first to say that I'm not a motor guy or a, a mechanical guy by any means. So, you know, I have my limitations, so I always try to go with simplistic and craftsmanship. But these guys that are pushing the limits that not only are pushing the limits, but have that craftsmanship too. I mean, it's really cool to see. It's inspiring. I think we all inspire each other. That's a big part of the building thing, you know, as you see each other and you get ideas and, there's always somebody better. There's always somebody pushing the limits. There's always, I mean, so if you're, so if we go there and we just go, have you ever heard of the term playing to the back of the room? Yeah. So if you're, if you're in the back of the room, uh, whose bikes, whose, whose bikes are you looking at? Like, you know, you had mentioned, uh, Jesse, Billy, uh, Bill Dodge. Um, but I mean, like really when you, if you, if you win a contest and you get to pick a bike to be built by, you know, somebody, and, and maybe it, I don't want to put you on the spot as far as picking one builder out of all of them, but maybe you have one or, you know, maybe there's somebody that you just think, you know, Jesus, everything he does fits, fits the way it's supposed to. Maybe it's not your favorite bike every time they do it, but like, I'll tell you to me, the goat to me is Warren and the last bike he just built. I love it. I, I know it's Warren's bike. It's like, it's like when Metallica comes out with a new CD. I'm going to like it. I'm a Metallica. I'm a Metallica fan. And Metallica is going to evolve over the 40 years that they've been around. But that bike right there, that El Rey, hands down. That to me is, and it's not to take anything away from you or Fab Kevin or Eric Gorgeous or anybody, but that bike right there ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah, and I, and speaking for myself, I, I don't think I can pick just one, you know, because I think amongst builders there's, so many different directions, you know, there, there's, right. I mean, what somebody like Fab Kevin is famous for and does at an unbelievable level. I mean, I get parts from him. He's, he's answered questions and his stuff is, it is, you know, that's Fab Kevin. Totally different ball game than Christian Newman, who's doing this stuff that is like, that you know, guy can go fuck himself. I, I mean, put that on his thing at the other day. I'm like, stop it. You're breaking. That guy's breaking my brain. And the, you he's know, these, so fucking talented. These guys are mechanical engineers. I mean, they're like, in, in, in his case, it's hard to argue. He's not a savant. savant. I mean, Jesus, you yeah. can't teach that level. Dude, you can't, I, I don't care. You could go to, you could be locked into a cage with nothing but, but engineering manuals your entire life. That dude's, that dude's a broken it's toy a, somewhere yeah. inside his brain. There's, well, and he, he used to base jump. So, I mean, that's, that brain's not, I mean, oh, that, I'm done. That, I'm that, that's, he's on a different level, man. But, it, you know, his stuff, that's somebody I look at and it just, it, it's mind blowing to me. It's absolutely mind blowing. And, and Hawk, you know, up in yep. Montana, you that's know, another I, dude. I, we've gotten to know him and see his stuff up close and personal. And he's just, you know, another one is bikes overall, some of the motor work stuff he does it, but to the eye, it's a simplistic bike, but the way it's done is, you know, and the stuff he does, 
like you said, narrowing things and stuff, what, what you'll go through to just make up, you know, three quarters of an inch or, you know, an right. inch or something is just, it's, it's crazy. So, you know, but then I, I admire the guy that builds something that's just a hardcore rider that just looks tough too, you know? So it's hard for me to narrow it down because, you know, I dig so much stuff and I, I, I never really say, you know, uh, they didn't really nail it or this or that, you know, it, there's, just like the shows, there's kind of, you know, there's classes and different levels and, and everybody's on their own page. But I think if, if somebody did something, whether you like the style or not, if, if it was done right and they put thought into it and anybody that's built bikes and are into what we do, you know, you can see that. Yeah. You can, you can see a thought out plan or you can see something that was, you know, afterthoughts show up pretty clear. So if somebody that really put a plan in to build a bike, you know, I don't think there is a wrong and, uh, you know, just it, it's so I can't. There's no way I could pick one. Cause, That's a fantastic it, way to look at. It. And I and I think, you know, now even in, since the time I've been involved in it, you know, the level that people are pushing is just insane, man. It, it's it's jumped from what I was seeing when I was looking at it. When you know, I, I decided to build that shovel. Um, I went. I happened to be in Austin at the same time the hand built show was going on a few years back. And I saw Ryan Gore's uh, 77 that he did there, and it was raw at the time. Right. Hadn't, he just finished it, hadn't painted it, hadn't hadn't done anything. And uh, I just couldn't get away from it. I was drawn to the bike. I just loved it, loved what he did with it. It wasn't the shiniest. It wasn't the, you know, but that was the bike that ultimately, you know, I got to, that's where I met Ryan. We talked for a little bit, and now, you know, the rest is history. But, um you know, that, that bike is how it sat was a huge influence to what finally pushed me to build the red bike and, and got me to build it, you know, take a shot at building again and, and ultimately doing my first bike. So, so you, you talk about, so there, there was obviously, um, there was a genesis for this whole motorcycle thing. You've had motorcycles for a long time, right? Yeah. Off You've and on. You in know, and around motorcycle people. I mean, some of the circles that you ran in were in, inevitably going to cross paths with, with motorcycle, be that good, bad, or indifferent, you know, motorcycle people. But um, what, what Ryan Gore's bike, you said, flipped the switch on. What's the first thing you did? What's the first thing you buy? What's the fir- Fab Kevin always told me, buy one part, just buy one part. Or make one part and do everything else from that. Well, you know, the first was the motor. I wanted, I wanted, and it's funny because Ryan's was 77, and it was because of his birth year. Well, we're the same age, and I wanted, that's something I always wanted to do. I wanted to build my birth year birth bike. Year. So I found one on uh, online, you know, bought it. And um, so that was the first piece. And then I, I wanted the frame. So and it's kind of a funny story how it all came about and stainless frame <laughs> happened. Cause you know, I, I'm really, I'm the first person to second guess myself or, you know, or to question my abilities, I guess, real right. hard on myself. And, uh, I wanted to build my own frame and I, I was back and forth on what to do and how to do it, how to start with the bike. Um, researched a little bit. And I had reached out to um, Al Emerson up oh, in uh, Iowa. That's another guy. And way back then, I, 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 he's one that stuck out that his frames, that's a perfect example of maybe his style isn't exactly what I dig, that high neck D-rake, you know, real extreme look. 
No, but you can't look at his bikes in any. I mean, he, the first picture he posts of a bike isn't a bike; it's a part, and yep. the metal finishing on it is it's perfect. Everything yeah. is perfect, and that's why that's why he's who I called. You know, um, I really respected his work. I liked what he did. I know he had helped Ryan um, with the stainless frame um, that ended up becoming his funny 55 pan, which my pan's 55. Right. <laughs> um, so, so I reached out and, you know, and at the time the weather was real shitty and he was busy and I think it was around the time he was maybe kind of transferring. He was still at a day job and plan on transferring to the full-time gig like he is now. And, but I looked at him as one of the best go-to guys and, uh, but it didn't work out. I called Will, um, and had questions for Will about building frames, um, and actually uh, had gotten one from him, um, a steel one, and had it for a while and was going to build on that. And finally um, started really researching and reading everything I could about building frames. Took what little bit I got from calling this person or that person, and nav- navigating my way through it. And uh, so that's, you know, and I knew I wanted to do stainless, so I... I um, I just tackled it, you know. I ordered, I ordered the tubing and all the metal I needed for it, and and I just I set out, and so that's how my first frame came about. But it, doing my own frame was something I always wanted to do and meant a lot to me. But you know, it necessarily wasn't going to be the way I was going to go on my first build ever because maybe deep down I knew I could, but it's a tall know, order. Yeah, you know, it, it's and and even now, you know, I've done with two bikes shakedown rides and have put decent amount of miles on especially the second bike now and uh to me there's always something a little weird feeling about jumping on something you built from scratch and hauling ass down you know down the road. Street. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's always a little bit of something in my head not you know it's no matter how good of a fabricator you are or how beefy you built the thing it's like always this little thing in my head of like all right it's all on you <laughs> so the red bike you start what year did you start the red bike um no well, i debuted it in daytona 2018 so probably that was, that was when i met you and tina i met you and tina at bills i believe yep yep I, I, yep that's where and that was the, my first i got it there wednesday i had finished the bike uh literally in the trailer like before we left so we right all got to, to see that on instagram somehow though right wasn't yeah. that on Facebook and Instagram through you were cataloging that, right? Yeah, when I got on uh I got on Instagram right around the time I think I bought the motor okay. for that build. So I posted the motor up and then tore that apart and but so yeah, the majority I didn't maybe post quite as much, but there's some pretty good if you go back on my Instagram, you can follow pretty good um through the frame build. Um there's some stuff um, along the way of the girder front end, the, the build process of that, uh, the exhaust, the bars. What year you started at in 2017? Yeah. So you, yeah. so so you're me, talking. It's been a total of three years. So yeah, in three roughly. years you've gone from now. You don't. What, where's your day job? What's your day job now? Um, now it's metalwork. <laughs> out of my shop. You're doing this. So you're a proprietor now. Yeah. So yep. can you, 
crazy story. <laughs> well, so that's where I'm getting it. So it, we're talking, we're spring of right now we're spring of 2020. So three years ago, your life has changed in three years exponentially. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, all due to you went, you, you saw Ryan Gore's bike at, at art in motion or what was uh, it? Hand built, hand built show yeah. in, in Austin. In Austin. And that was in 2017. Yeah. I think that show was in, uh, April. I believe it was in April of 17 and I, and we, and I came back from that trip. I told Tina, when I saw his bike, I said, <laughs> hey, good I, news, I, babe. I, I, <laughs> little do you know what this is going to turn into, sweetheart. <laughs> it did either of us, but I mean, so it, you know, I, I, that was it. I had told her, I said, you know, I, want, I was working at a, uh, I was a plant manager of a big metal fab company down in Sarasota. And, um, you know, I was commuting, round trip 160 miles every day so um i was building i built that bike nights and weekends and you know whenever i could and then yeah so that was sometime right after april and 17 and then we debuted it in march my plan was to debut it uh at the handbuilt show and i had gotten invited to to it that was kind of the whole plan of right you know where i saw it where i decided to do it and then debut it there and then it's actually Tina that talked me into well, Daytona's right here, you know, and it's like a month and a half or so beforehand. You can get it done. You know, the famous all you gotta do is that <laughs> that's all you gotta do. So that's all you gotta do. I think it was like a thirty six hour no sleep stretch to get it done for bike week and but pretty much it we did, you know. It was and um thankfully we did. You know, that's where it really got a lot of the exposure. I think, you know, it, a few people in the industry picked up on it just through Instagram and what I was doing. It caught some attention a little bit. Um, but you know, the first show we ever did was on Wednesday, the cycle source show. I had rented a U-Haul trailer to get it over there <laughs> the day before. And so I pull up right in the broken spoke and, and, uh, unload it. And then Mark, who, uh, at the time I didn't know, you know, a cycle source, came up to me I, I just wheeled it out of the trailer and put the kickstand down and he came over and said chris wanted to uh put it in cycle source uh, i thought he was going to do a wheelie <laughs> shannon's out there running around so things happen really what i'm want to what i'm trying to get to the the point of is that this thing this is a three-year-old excursion you yeah. built two bikes in three years both bikes have have been well received and you've received accolades for it what is, has anybody pulled you off to the side and said, hey, man, this, you, this doesn't, you're, you're a unique individual with a unique set of skills. And, I mean, look at, numbers don't lie. I mean, you're yeah. not, you, there's no way to buy the, the, there's no way to buy to the front of the line of this. There's no, no cheat codes. This is, this is all organic stuff. I mean, when did, when do you wake up and go, Jesus Christ, this, this is weird. Is it ever yeah, weird? It, well, yeah, it's weird all the time because, you know, and I'm grateful because like I said, I, I'd never been out of the country before this, you know, building bikes and behind the house took me around the world. And that's, that's amazing. You know, the experiences I've got to have and the people I've met and all the things I've done outside of just, you know, bikes or the accomplishments, it's all the things that it's opened up in my life, you know? Right. So it's been a huge deal, um, you know, and I, and it is weird because, and I can't help but tell myself that, 
Yeah, it's always just the right place at the right time. I mean, just like the people we were mentioning a little bit ago, I mean, there's a lot of great fabricators out there. There's a lot of guys doing amazing shit, you know. I, I had the opportunity, you know, I put my heart into those builds. Sure. No, no doubt, you know, sure. and, and my best work, and I, and I, I'm proud of them, and for me to say that really means something because I usually, <laughs> right? I, I'm, again, I'm hard on myself, but you know, I, I, I am proud of them, and, and I feel good about their accomplishments, and and you know, but at the same time, you know, I was in a position where I, I got to a lot of the big events, you know, and then th- th- what the first bike did opened the door for you know the latter half of its path, and then into the gold bike, you know, to get the invitations to, you know, the golden bolt, some of the most prestigious stuff, you know, and, and kind of catapult in, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of guys doing a lot of great stuff and building great stuff. So I don't know, you know, the whole dynamic to what made it happen or how it all came about in such a short time, um, you know, but it, it did. And I think, you know, craftsmanship has a big part of that, but, um, you know, I don't know. A lot of it, you know, I don't think it's all sunk I mean, into me yet. To be, so it's to hard be to make a real. You, you're not, you're not somebody who you don't sing your own praises. You're not, you're not look at me. You're not, you don't, you know, you're not a gregarious outgoing kind of guy. You're not, not like a, a sheltered introvert, but you're, you're, you're fine standing at the back of the room, having a beer and you know, you don't have to have the all eyes on you. So, you know, that's not your personality, but everything you've done that you've been successful at that comes with it. There's a certain point where it, it's almost humility almost looks impo- it, it's not, it's not nor You're not, you're, you're what people would call an outlier to some degree. I mean, you look at some of the things that you've done. I mean, you, we're going to talk about your BMX, but then there's the MMA thing that, that happened and that doesn't just happen. You know, I mean that that is a that is an that I can't even imagine the physical regimen that it took the last thirty days leading up to that. Let alone the six months, twelve months, ten months. When you when you had when you when you conceptualized the first bike, the red bike, and then you conceptualized number two. Did you have was there an epiphany moment where you're like, oh, I know what it is. I know what it looks like. It's in my head, and you jot it down, or do you start with the one part and then start moving from there? And the reason why I'm asking that is you've created a space where everybody's kind of sitting there watching going, okay, we can't, he's not a one trick pony because number two was just as good as number one, very different, but very much in the same, in the same vein of things, same quality. So what does three look like? Is it called three? Is it, you know, is it a Roman numeral this time to make it, you know, kind of make it, kind of make it weird. Or, I mean, where do you, where do you go? I, um, you know, from the first bike to the second bike, some of the, decisions that, that ended up at its style were things I wanted to, what I thought were problematic or, or to the eye or, or could have been better on the red bike, you know, to get that long stretched out look that the right. red bike had, you have a lot of negative space, you know, behind the oil tank in that region that, what do you do? You know? And, and so if you look at the second bike, I went after the chopper style that I really dig but everything is really tight. Everything really fits to everything around the motor, the oil tank, the wheel, the fender. You know, it's all, there's none of that space. So, you know, and I think some of it, and I've talked to some other guys, builders, and I think it's probably more common than not, that you kind of have a rough idea of 
the lines of what it's going to be, but as it progresses, either through chains you make or, or you know, it just looks different to the eye when it's there. Right. I mean, I've there's been things I've more or less made, and it's been almost done, and nope. You know, that's not, and you make the adjustment. So for me, there's a lot of that. And then that becomes problematic when you're dealing with deadlines and stuff as we do. I mean, you're changing on the fly. So, you know, I think there's two approaches. There's guys that literally draw everything out and have drawings. And there's guys that, and probably both of them change a little bit along the way. I think, you know, we all follow guys that we like to work. And those guys that I, I follow, I, I see it, you know, and they show it, you know, they, you know, Somebody does, I think Christian just did a tank with uh, Sosa and, and, you know, it. he went there to do it and there's there's always this stuff going on and it didn't sit quite right. So you take all the time to tons and tons of work to drop it a half inch, you know, I mean, right. and it's so it's all those things, you know, the red bike, I learned a lot. I got ahead of myself. I, I put on, uh, I did my exhaust. Right. Before I got uh, my mid controls from Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and right before I was like one of the last things, you know, before Daytona. And I'm like, all right, we're going to make it home free. Put the mids on, bam. Well, my pipe went straight down, you know. So I, I, I you know, I'd been up a weight. You know how it is. It's yeah. like, it was like at that last hour. My first experience of like the builder stories you go on to hear, like the, all the nightmares of like bef- when you get to the event. That was like a deadline event, you know, right. like Michael's show or something. And everybody's horror stories of like the last four days, you know, what they went through to get yeah, it. Yeah, they got, everybody shows up. They look like Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Their eyes are fucking bloodshot red. They they haven't shaven, you know. They everybody stands six feet away from each other because they they because so they haven't showered. How many hours are you on, man? It's like, yeah, and they drove straight through. So yeah, you know, and it's it, it that was my first experience of that, but. So, you know, I, and, and I think I went out and called Tina. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. You know, you know, I ended up putting our heads together, and I, I cut out this section, and I, you know, pie cut it all that, and then come to find out I didn't like how the pie cuts look. So I ground that and shaped it all, and it became something that everybody really dug on the bike, how the pipe, wow, that's really yeah. cool. I come in, so I always laugh until the so story yeah, of, like, it. yeah, it was a total, that's the result of a complete fuck-up. But, you know, it just goes to show, you know, you it gets right in the end. It's just, but it's a process, you know? So it's, yeah. What do they say? Can't, things change. Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah. And, and that, I think that change along the way of the build. And we always, another thing they always say too, is, you know, a lot of the time building is spent sitting on a bucket and staring, you know, and there's a lot to that where, you know, you're, you're sitting there staring at it and it's, it's those lines and that's where it can change. And that time is spending, and it's all important to the, you know, I think the end product. Are you intimidated by any part of a motorcycle? Like legitimately where you're like, oof, Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, in terms of. Just in like, general, like anything. Yeah. There, yeah. It, I you mean, know, which are kryptonite basically. I have so much to learn in terms of, you know, motor stuff and the mechanical side of bikes, you know, fabrication. There's, I have some ideas of stuff that I want to do that would push my limits, you know, a little more in terms of fab work. Um, but, you know, in terms of, of what scares me and, and what I know I need the most work on and, and kind of the thing that gets me is the mechanical side and the true understanding of, you know, the motors and 
all the stuff, you know, with that. I don't do my own motor work. I've I've messed around with trannies rebuilding four speeds. I've been practicing that <laughs> a got, little bit. You got to quantify that statement. Yeah, I, I, I messed I, around with trannies. <laughs> yeah, 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 that sounds horrible. Jesus, <laughs> edit that out. Jesus, yeah. it was only once. The only once. I only yeah, did a couple of them. Only college. I needed fifty bucks. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna grab another Corona. <laughs> I'll take one. Okay. <laughs> That's where I can insert a car, uh, commercial right in there. Perfect. We've been doing commercials today, so. Um, well, I want to. I, I kind of want to change gears because um, it, you've got a couple of interesting things that uh, I guess I'm trying to think. Basically, you and I started. We've known each other since we, we you know we identified. We met in '18. Uh, I've done a couple of little jobs for you at at the shop. You know, little yep. things that you don't have the equipment for at your shop. Um, but we really kind of started hanging out last summer. So, well, and you've been a big help, you know, like I said before, the golden bolt and, and, uh, you know, been over at my shop to help a lot too. So it's, oh, yeah. well, I mean that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of what we need to do. I think that's part of, part of it. And that's part of the fun too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about, um, let's go all the way back. I want to talk about BMX because when you go to your shop, one of the things, one of the things that I noticed (laughs) is you were a numbered rider. So when I, I was never, I never competed um, on, I never competed dirt BMX. I was a sponsored uh, flatland rider and competed in that. Right. But you didn't get a number. You didn't have a number plate. But the top 10 guys or top 20 guys, they were assigned a number and you have a number one plate in your garage. Yep. That was uh I think the last full year I raced is ABA or NBL. Uh, I was out west, so that was primarily ABA. I only raced ABA. Did a couple NBL races towards the end. ABA was the bigger one. Yeah, and I was just you know it's your comfort zone. That's that's all I had done. But yeah, I got into it. Um, I actually got into it because I was terrible at motocross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to race motocross, and, and so my dad, we we got a. It was a, a KTX, you know, it wasn't oh, yeah. the, the trail bike. So I go out to the motocross track with that thing, which is the side of the road find for what, you know, however much it was. My dad got it for me and no business with that bike on a motocross track, let alone rolling up in a Cadillac with it hanging out of the trunk. That's, that's, how we would, know, that's a perfect visual. That's how we would get to the track. So needless to say, it didn't really work out. So BMX was something, you know, I had a bike and. There was a track down the road and pretty close and a lot of jumping spots where I lived back then at the time. A lot of, it wasn't as built up as it was or it became. And uh, so I got into it and, I, you know, at the local track and progressed and started uh, going over to California and then racing over there pretty much all the time, Northern California. What class? Um, started out local and novice and then I actually uh, – Started going to some nationals with some people in it and uh, traveling. My dad and I would go to some of them. And I actually turned expert uh, at a national in in Reno. Um, so I, I, I won 
the national and intermediate uh, on Saturday. So the Sunday race, I went to expert. Right. Which it was, I, it was my rude awakening to like the, a whole new level of racing. You know, like I went from intermediate, which are like the guys that are really good at this national level. They're really, really good, good local. They're really good. They win all their local races. They're killing it locally. Yeah. But then now I'm on, you know, beside like Team Haro guys and dude I saw on BMX Plus, you know. Yeah. You know, part of Team GT. I'm a little starstruck and Jesus Christ. So, and I remember being in the middle and they just, <laughs> but so then I progressed from there and went up and, and um, got picked up by a team and did a lot of nationals. And I think at one time, I don't think I finished the year in the top 10, but I, I held, I think, like number six in the nation in my age group for a while in probably 93, 94, somewhere in there. And then uh, 94, the year in 90, I think it was 94 was the last year. That was the plate you saw, which is uh, was the district number one plate. So it was kind of like the region you lived in through the states. Right. So the state of Nevada at the time, so kind of like a state plate. And then I did the state championship. Um, I didn't live and I wasn't registered as, as a California rider, but I did their state championship series and finished first in points there one year. And stayed with my buddy who... Now we're through Instagram. We found each other. We, we were on the same team when we were kids. And, and, uh, so we say that one day we're going to get bikes again and we're going to meet up at a national for old time's sake. And well, they have that over 40 class. Dude, they got like over 50 something. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how quite, old you you're are. You're not quite, quite there yet. No. I'll be there in a couple of years. I'm in the 40, uh, was it 41 to 45 or something like that. Right. So take me from, from, from front to back, your, your last, your last bike, the bike, you're the best bike you ever had. Was probably the last bike you had. Yeah, um, so, it, it was a Robinson. Okay, it was a Robinson. I don't remember the model. Um, pro frame. Yep. So long pro, top pro, two. Pro, APX, pro XL. Pro okay. XL with the XL neck. I think I, I think I ran a lot of croupy stuff back then. Nice, good name drop. Like, um, kind of wheels. Um. I forget. Tioga Comp three tires. That was yeah. That was the Tioga Comp. Was, these, those are the joint, dude. That was the that was the staple. I love the the um, the Tioga Comp the, the Tioga Comp three one point fives. A little bit yep. narrow, not quite a sew up. Then then you went where you could go with the one seven five up front. One seven five up front, one five in the back. Run like a, a 41, 16. Yeah, it depends what track, man. It depends where you had to gear it right. But yep. we, we, I would race. I'd go over and we would race uh, Friday. You, you could pull off in Northern California back then. You could, you could go Friday night and race Roseville, get up Saturday morning, race Pecan Park, drive down to Marysville Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, Roseville again. So you could race four times in a weekend. And that's not a terribly expensive sport if you No, I think it's like a... 10 bucks. And then, you know, I got into racing – class and cruiser so 20 and 24 inch right um, like it's a little expensive yeah and, and sponsors helped at the time uni seat so, uh no i did the my favorite one i was the flight it was oh, like yeah. for mountain bikes you know it was yeah. the, the, the i know exactly big money like a hundred dollars seat yeah but it's real it's titanium real rails yeah, i think exactly yeah. All, yeah flight cranks uh flight cranks with um what bottom bracket did i always run Probably had a, those would have been an American bottom bracket. Would it have been a? You had the uh, what was the one? You remember ODI had the 
a bottom bracket cup, the the rubber mm-hmm. cup that would go over there, the crank side on the one on for the one piece cranks. You remember, I had one. It, it was a Hawk. It was Hawk F twenty frames, and they were square tubing frames. It was after me, yeah, it probably was. I'm a little younger. <laughs> but, Dude, in '94, when you when you got first place, I I, I got married. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so. <laughs> I caught the last of the... Yeah, right? It all went to shit when they put clip-on pedals. It, the whole world changed, man. Yeah, fuck clip-on pedals. That's what I'm saying. Dude, I, I, was a, I was a Vans kid. Still am. I'm a Vans adult. My back doesn't like Vans, but, you know, Vans is sneaky now. They got those Ultra Kush, so they're, like, sneaking in the, the orthos in the, in, the cool, in the cool shoes. Uh, yeah, I've been wearing Vans <laughs> over 30 years, man. Yeah, I got my first pair of Vans in 83 for my birthday. Um, so... The thing about here's here's the thing I wanted to tie in. That's kind of a uh, even though you're on a team, that's a solo sport, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then so the next sport you get into is you actually had uh, a professional UFC MMA fight. Uh, it was not the UFC. Okay. Um, it was MMA, but it certainly was not the UFC. Okay, I thought it was UFC. Nope. Um, it was it was at the regional level. Um, and at the time, that particular organization had guys that went on to the UFC and a couple guys that had, had been cut from the UFC. So it was, there were some real, there were some real, you know, real fighters in there. You know, it was, and uh, it was, you know, it was the Midwest <clears throat> region at the time. It was, it was a big deal. And I got into it. Uh, what possesses one to get into the competitive side of that? I mean, at what point, um, how much, cause you don't strike me as somebody, like I said earlier, you're not, you're not an attention seeker, but it seems to find you one way or not. I mean, you've <laughs> got to have a pretty hearty set of self-confidence and balls to get in the ring and allow somebody to fucking punch you in the forehead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I didn't do it for a real long time. I mean, that's a tough way to make a living, you know, and, but you know, guys that, that were into that at the time, you know, like I had been around, I started, I was really into boxing when I was younger. You okay. Know, Tommy Morrison was like, just, Oh yeah. I mean, Tommy I, machine gun Morrison or something. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Tommy uh, gun or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I idolized the guy, you know, and then I got into boxing in a police athletic league and well, I went for my birthday were the Tommy Morrison shorts, the blacks with, with the little corner thing of the flag, yep. you know, I mean, be like him. So, it was uh, so that's kind of what got me into it. I remember I'd go to the library as a kid in school, junior high, and just read this book and boxing, you know. And so I did that off and on for a while, and even kind of overlapped with BMX a little bit at times. And because uh, you had the cardio, yeah, I, I mean, swear that I think that that's the only thing that's kept me healthy is how many hours a day I rode my fucking motor on my bicycle. Yep. When swear I, down. When I was racing and, you know, like I said, where I lived, there were a lot of jumping spots. There were a lot of, I mean, I was on my bike from the time I had breakfast, you yep. know, and it, it was dark. I mean, like that, I, I lived tired. on that thing. And so, yeah, I think that as I'm older, it was a big, you know, kind of a foundation. of. Right. Uh, so, you know, and then when I was out in Vegas, I, I, kind of the scene I was involved in through work and everything else. I knew some of the guys that were into it pretty big and had been to some of the events in Vegas and um, even some of the camps, you know, that, that were going on out there back then, just through people I knew and stuff and right. messed around a little bit, but certainly wasn't, you know, 
going on a career of fighting. So I, I ended up, I was, I think I told you I was driving over the road, um, truck driver and ended up in Cincinnati and never left <laughs> for like four years. Got a job at an engineering firm there and roundabout way ended up becoming really good friends with, um, who's now you know still a friend of mine to this day, Roger Bowling, who at the time in that region and that uh, organization and MMA in that area, the Midwest was kind of the guy. Okay. Undefeated, I think, at the time when I met him. He was like 7-0. and oh, Seven first-round knockouts. He was going, you know, going places. And, uh, I mean, you went to his fights. I went to one early on. And, I mean, the place is shaking. I mean, it's standing room only. He's on billboards around town. Well, we worked together. We were both welders. And um, <laughs> kind of got... <laughs> what a shitty friend. <laughs> hey, you want to get your head kicked in? <laughs> so, 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 you know, we, we really hit it off as friends and, and spent a lot of time together. And then so that evolved into... You know, you should do it. And then, well, it was like, yeah, I want to do it. And so I started training with those guys. And, you know, I always was pretty fortunate to fall in with some guys that were really talented. I mean, and, and even that was, you know, there were some big name guys in Vegas that I knew in the fight scene and all that and was around. Right. But, you know, the guys in, when I got to Cincinnati, nobody knew them yet. You know, Roger was big on a national level. He went on to strike force. And then later on, he was signed by the UFC. Another guy uh, lived in the gym at the time, in the back of the gym, was back getting on his feet, was in some trouble. Um, it went on to be a two-time Bellator world champ, Dan Strauss. Um, I've heard of him. Good friend and, of mine. And I don't even, I don't know shit. Yeah, he, he's one that uh, came out to the Golden Bolt. He was in LA, uh, Vegas nice. at the time and, and rode out, rode out on a Sarley. Uh, him and his girl came out and saw us in LA. But yeah, so that, that gym that I kind of fell into in Cincinnati was, you know, produced some great talent. And Dudes are pretty hard from the Midwest. Yeah, and Cincinnati is a big fight town. A lot of people don't realize it, boxing and MMA. So that it was, you know, it was a no AC. Um, they had classes there and stuff, but because of, you know, I knew Roger, and, and that led to his good friend, TJ, and we all. So I kind of got into that circle. So next thing I knew, I was training at the pro training, you know, or, you know, the guy, like the closed door, you know, okay. stuff. and way out of my league and you know you'll learn really quick if you ever think you know you can fight and you're never really taking it to another level go in with guys that pretty much especially like their premise is just go in and wail on each other and beat the fuck out of each other for right. a while and, and you know and go around until you're all dead tired and does that know. just out of curiosity not to interrupt you but does that in and of itself produce if you if you're in that environment and you're engaged in that activity, and you know you've got all the safety gear on, but you're like actually participating. Do you intrinsically learn how to fight being in that situation, or is this just one of those things where if you don't, I mean, obviously if you don't have the skill, you you can't. But I mean, if you if you can be taught things and learn things, can you can you end up obtaining those skills through osmosis and getting punched and, and have people throwing hands at you, or is that just I, you you gotta I think they're uh, like, I'm not a, I wouldn't consider myself a jujitsu guy by any stretch of the imagination. Right. So I, whenever I go into those environments, I'm, it's constantly learning and constantly humbling. You know, I mean, those right. guys, especially guys that are really skilled at that, it's, 
it's like, you know, and I've learned a lot, like Dan, you know, Dan has in, in Bellator, I mean, submitted legit black, you know, uh, jujitsu black belts, you know, like renowned guys. And, and he's, I think he fights at 145 pounds and I've rolled him when I, when I, he was probably around 160 at the time. And I was probably at that time, 220, 225. And he just would have his way, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's you like, God, but you know, it's, so it's, you know, it, it's, you learn through that and, and, and they, you know, there was teaching and stuff, but you know, even I think in boxing, you know, if you go in with a certain level, you know, you fight guys at the same level as you are not as good and you're never going to improve. So I think there is some of that, like you say, just once you have the basics and you understand, you know, the fundamentals of, of what you're doing, once you go guy against guys better than you, right. You, you do learn, you do adapt and you do become better, whether it's the speed or the angles or the, all the things involved in boxing or punching, you, you know, just through doing it, I think you get better. It's, and it's, you know, in fighting, I, I'm a big believer. And I think that's, you know, gyms are certain gyms are notorious for it. That and usually they're very productive, you know, in in results. That they're you, you know, those guys fight. Yeah, you know, I mean it's 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 a training and it's camp, but you know, I, and I believe in it. They're, they're really the only way to truly get a feel for you know sparring and all that does has its place. But the only way you're going to really understand and reactions and and what it's like through the process of a fight is do it and push yourself through it. Right. Even in a training format. I mean, it, and it, it's, <laughs> it's just the way it is, you know, I mean, it's so, you know, and not all gyms adhere to that and they, you know, but um, I think there's a lot to be said for just like fabrication. I totally have always kind of learned, you know, you just get thrown into it from guys that are better than you. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, that's definitely my, the, the only way I ever, ever learned. I'm not somebody that can, I have to read something two, three times to, to get it. Like, I'm intelligent and I have a good economy of words, but that's where I shine. Like, you know, where, you know, somebody's a really good fabricator. I've, you know, I've worked with some fabricators that are just blow my fucking mind to watch them work and they make it look so easy. And yep. so I try to imitate that and it's not easy. And so I have to keep, keep going at it. The only thing I've ever had a natural ability to, to do at any reasonable level intrinsically is is basically talk you know and it's a strong suit in itself man i mean that's it hasn't, hasn't been higher on my list <laughs> we all have our words strong and suit. shit yeah i mean i'm a far better writer than i am a talker but oh but, that, there's something to be said for that too there's definitely something to be said for that too so you 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 had one professional fight and won that fight yeah, so that I was training at that gym, and um, you know they were kind of the big name. Obviously, the guys were good, and that team was was big in that area. And so I was put on the team, if you will. And 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 the plan was to take a fight at this this date, and we kind of targeted a show. And you know, for my that was my first real. I went through a spell I did, you know, I boxed early on and then I went through, right. went through a spell of, uh, doing the, the tough man, tough man and meanest man things for yeah. a while. <laughs> I did, uh, off and on for, I did several years of those and, but full blown, you know, MMA to, I mean, at that level was, 
new to me and I, and I was probably older than I should, you know, than most getting into it. You know, right. I wasn't, you know, this was probably my last, that was in 2000, late 2000 or mid late 2009. So you know, I was over 30 years old. Wow. So I, I, that, um, is, that is old for yeah taking that on. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I agreed to, uh, this, this event that it, at the time it was, you know, social media and all the online stuff wasn't quite what it is today. Sure. So it was, remember it was like HD net or something it was filmed for. And it was at a, a, a big casino resort and casino deal. And so you get there the day before and you have interviews and you're way in and, and they, they, you know, press conferences and like stuff is all scheduled and you have this whole itinerary and, you know, the last thing, cool. the last thing I fought in that was anything sanctioned, I think was like, there were a couple hundred people there and it was like, sign this form. And <laughs> so, so in case you die, yeah, we did a lot we, of, you know, my stuff wasn't always, you know, the biggest glitz and glamour fights. I, it was a lot of, <laughs> not quite that. So it, it, you know, and so I'm in the back and everybody's getting ready and you have your little area and warming up and. And the guy, I, I didn't really know who I was fighting until, you know, it's not like I knew him and researched him and trained, you know, for him and all this stuff, you know, it was, right. I think there was one guy and they had to find somebody else throughout the course of it. And, but anyway, I, I was really, I fought, I agreed to fight heavyweight and I was really light for a heavyweight, you know, that's typically you just cut down to light heavyweight below 206. 205, 206. So I was 212. And I was really lean. I trained harder than I ever had for a fight, this one. And I kind of knew the level it was at. So, and he was a big, big fella. He was like 263. He weighed in at. Jeez. Cut weight to make it, make the one, one, uh, 65 cutoff limit. So he cut weight to make it a little bit taller than me and knew through talk of that area that, you know, he had, had far more legit training in, in strictly MMA than I did. So, you know, that, so I had that whole night to kind of ponder on that. And what does that yeah. feel like? Um, I mean, it has to make yeah. all this other shit just kind of menial. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, you kind of have a game plan. I don't know. I've always had this weird thing to where I don't get too, too worked up, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, and I didn't that night, but you know, until right beforehand, then it then it did. But so you, <laughs> you you know, the next day comes and and I was somewhere in the middle of the fight card on the main card, so it was busy. You know, the place had filled up, and it was like this two tier, you know. So there was the the floor level, and then the upper, upper level hole. is like over you looking down almost. So it and, and you. I had been in the arena the day before through all the stuff, but it was empty and it didn't, you know, I didn't go out to this music and all this shit and these people, you know, everybody screaming and, and it, I kind of like immediately got tunnel vision. It just went, sure. You know, it was such. Did it feel like a hive? Yeah. You I know, mean, I've heard I, people I, describe it like that. You know, everything just kind of got like slow motion for me. And, and like, I just kind of focused on exactly what I was doing. We walked to the end and, you know, you put your mouthpiece in, they check your stuff, and, and you kind of go through the routine. You hug your guys and your corner guys, and you you go up in there, and they shut the gate behind you. And uh, so I was the first one in, then 
So I had the whole time to sit in there and think about it. Well, he came walking down <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, he, it, then it's, it, then it becomes real, you know? I mean, that's, they, they lock the thing and, and then that's kind of when it sunk in, you know, like it really kind of light turned on. So I kind of got in my, got in my zone and it went good. I mean, it, it's, I made some mistakes in the first round just from inexperience, you know, there was a lot, you tried to take me down, ended up against the cage a time or two and Garner Nismi actually slammed me once, picked me up over his head and slammed me and, uh, worked out of it. And then went in the second round and I remember sitting on the bench in the second round and Roger was my head corner guy and another guy in there with him. And I, I, wasn't hoping it was going to go to the second round, you know, I was, <laughs> and, uh, and I was tired, you know, but I, I felt good, but you know, it's, but you feel winded, you know, it, it's that, sure. that, that, the adrenaline and the new experience of that, you know, there's cameras, I'm sitting there in the corner and there's like a camera right in my face, this huge TV camera. And so it, it, it kind of messes with your focus a little bit. So I went out and he had like 30 seconds in the second round. He, he came in pretty strong and I just caught him with a, lead left down the right down the pipe and and uh caught him enough to where you know you could finish him so it was knockout and i think officially 30 seconds in the second round that's perfect and then you're like okay i'm i'm not gonna do this no more um i was gonna you know i i they then then you know they already kind of are lining you up for there's people you know there, there's talk i'm of, sure there's people that want to make money off of mm-hmm. you know what you have the ability to do, right? And at the time, that was a really happening uh, organization. And it just, you know, kind of like my, I guess I've been kind of lucky to just fall right place at the right time and things. You know, like in Vegas, it was just kind of a lot of perfect storms, you know. So, yeah, and I, I ended up leaving Cincinnati. Um, and I worked. All I did was work there. I was on the road and traveled. And so I, I you know, I trained a little bit and talked about it, but, that ended up being my last fight and had no desire to do the boxing or tough man things that, that a lot of those at the time were for money. They were putting money up for those sure. those tough man things. And Roger had done a bunch of those. That's how he got started. He got started actually before he was even old enough to do it. They were taking him up there from at like 15 years old, 16 years old, just knocking out grown men. <laughs> <laughs> this kid from like Fucking the side of the river dropped, in, yeah. <laughs> for, in Ohio, never seen a street light. Was that, was that money? Uh, was that you, that MMA fight for money? Nope. I, I didn't win anything for that. Um, it was, there was no athletic commission at the time in okay. Indiana. It was in Indiana. Okay. Um, and it was actually uh, for that, for being that it was, when it was Indiana it was considered an amateur fight. Gotcha. So, Technically, I did not have a professional MMA fight under my belt. Oh, well, <laughs> semantics. And certainly the, not UFC. But. Yeah. Well, I just, I wasn't sure. I knew it was, I knew it was a high level, high level deal. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, definitely more than, you know, somebody just getting into MMA or for in it for a short time. A lot of those guys uh, didn't have real established records. You know, guys later in the card did. Um, I said some of those guys had come from the UFC. Right. Um, didn't quite cut it there at the time. It was real competitive. Kind of a beer league kind of deal. Yeah, it was. You know, guys, uh, the regional scene at the time around the country was right below that UFC level, that national level. 
So, you know, there were, there were several of them, um, that when they matched up against each other made for some really good fights. Like there was one out towards Arizona, one in St. Louis, um, that had a really good fighter that ended up Roger fought a trilogy with him. So, you know, it was kind of like the farm league for, sure. the, you know, and then when strike force came about, they were, they were taking a lot of the guys and a lot of the guys went to strike force or Bellator when Bellator was really before it kind of got its surgence, you know, of becoming what it has, but you know, early on and then UFC went on to take strike force and, Took a portion of those guys. That's when Roger went to the UFC. So what do you think this is going to – where are we at this year, uh, getting back to the motorcycle thing? Um, what do we think – how do you think this year is going to round out? I mean, we've had quite an interesting start to it. I mean, yeah. we had a, you know, Daytona is usually the first event. There's usually Leesburg. Then there's, uh, there's um, the Ocean City, Maryland, uh, where Laconia, yep. right, New Hampshire – there's I, all these events that are not going to happen now. Obviously, our little event in in downtown Lakeland's been postponed to December. What do you, that leaves us with Sturgis? What yeah, do you, I saw. What are, your, what are your thoughts? I saw Born Free uh, got postponed now. Um, I'm still. There's not an official decision on the AMDs this year. We're supposed to go in October. Okay. So uh, I actually got email from Bob K and and uh, the people that head of amds kind of for the plan there but long story short right now it's unknown a lot of that depends on intermont and those guys so i don't really expect it if not we'll just get pushed back to the next year when it does happen um you know a lot of the stuff yeah i mean we watched it it was weird because we're in daytona that was like when it all started you know we were in it and then by the end of it daytona you know, they closed everything down the last weekend. So we got it. We, we were at an event and got the taste of like. I kind of feel like everybody was kind of, you know, joking, around, me included, joking around the whole week. And then by the end of the weekend, I was like, wait a minute. I had a, I was sicker than hell. I had a horrible cough. I mean. Did you get it, sick when we went to the restaurant? You were, um, you were kind of lethargic that night. I w- and Mike I, got violently ill. I was fine. Uh, but I had a cold, you know, uh, Danelle and Stacy uh, McClary came from California uh, and him and I, he had had a cold. And him and I went over to Daytona to see uh, Billy and them at the, the Sons of Speed practice. Right. I think it was Friday. So we were in the truck, and he was, you know, and we we shared the place together in Daytona. They stayed with us. So I was exposed to that and, you know, had all the symptoms of, you know, mucus, all that stuff. And and almost got a second wave of it a few weeks after Daytona. Right. Um where it was a little bit different situation. We knew more, but at the time in Daytona, you didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm sitting there around everybody coughing and hacking, you know, it's like I had a cold, you know, I just didn't, it wasn't feeling that great, but it obviously turned into what it did and everything, uh, you know, getting canceled and postponed and not only in motorcycles, but seemingly everything in life right now. So. Yeah. Right. Everything's kind of a little bit on hold. Yeah. And it's, you know, my life hasn't changed all that much you know I, I said i work in my shop now and it's just me so and and all the materials and stuff i get they're all essential businesses so you know and manufacturing so it's hasn't really affected me all that much but um you know it has in in other ways and, and you know tina has a business that sure. was shut down and and um how that's non-essential is beyond me but whatever 
Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's certainly a lot I don't understand about it all. You know, hopefully it uh, we get back to normal. I mean, it's it's Sturgis looks like it's going to happen. Well, and and the governor there, she seems she seems very level headed. That's uh, if, if, mean, if you're hoping on Sturgis happening, that's the gal you want. <laughs> it's the governor of the state that we're supposed to have. Did you see the message from the owner of the chip? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very level-headed yeah. and mindful too. Yeah, and they are. You know, I've I've been fortunate enough to get to know Woody and and uh, Marilyn and them, and and it's so Marilyn Stem. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's she was involved with American Iron or is involved with American Iron? Was she not? Truthfully, I don't know. She's I somebody know. that I've met. A half a dozen times in I, passing and and i i never really know exactly where her you know footprint is um buffalo chip with woody okay so um, you know when you have uh, i'm uh, we're, we're almost 20 years into this deal it's the evolution's weird like a lot of things are still the same but a lot of things are really different social media has changed it yeah yeah i mean yeah, social media has changed every aspect of our lives, I think, whether, you know, how deep you look at it. Some for the good, some for the bad. You know, I, I mean, our a big part of what I do and what we do as builders and guys just doing nothing more than wanting to show what they're doing in the garage is social media now. I mean, right. we grew up, I, most magazines, you know, yeah. that, that's why being in a magazine now to me is such a big deal because... I grew up, whether it was, you know, at the time it was boxing magazines or BMX magazines, BMX magazines. Or, or, or bodybuilding magazines or whatever I was into along the way, magazines were always a staple. So, you know, but it's different now. So it's, uh, you know, and there's, you can put, although it's lost, you can put a little bit of motion or yourself into what's out there. So, right, you know, there's a different dynamic to it, um, you know, but it's... Uh, yeah, it, there's a flip side to every coin. You know, as much as I like about social media, sometimes I curse it. So <laughs> yeah, I took I had to take a time out when we got home from. Yeah, I know. I, was I like, noticed uh, you said you were uh, taking uh, a week, taking a week off, and I did, and I did it, and then I'm happy I did it. It kind of chilled me out a little bit. Um, what's What's the next? So let's just say everything goes swimmingly as far as events and what. Uh, what are your goals? What are your goals for the next year? I mean, what where do you want to take Butera Metalworks? Because you're a one man show. Yep. And you're working in a small shop. Yeah. And so there's obviously some space limitations. There's some, um, you know, production limitations. I mean, is this something that uh, you had mentioned earlier that you went from having a day job to not having a day job? So what happens? I mean, how do, how does how do you get to where you're at right now? And then. What, well, what is, where do you want to, where do you want to put yourself? Where do you want to go? I mean, are you happy right now? Are you happy right now? I am. You know, this is, it's, it's funny. Sometimes you got to stop and, and catch yourself and do whatever it takes to just take a minute back and understand that, you know, you're in the spot you always wanted to be in, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. I've, I've, I've gotten to a point. I mean, I remember when I was building the red bike that, you know, if I could just get in the magazine, that would be the coolest thing ever. I mean, right. that, that, that was, that was accomplishment. And, and, you know, so everything else has just been, what is your, so you're happy. Are you healthy? Yeah, I think so. And so <laughs> are you, are you taking care of financially? Uh, 
Well, I wouldn't say taken care of. Well, I don't I mean, mean like I think, independently wealthy, but I mean, you, you're yeah. keeping the lights on. Uh, you, yeah, can, the, you, you could keep doing what you're doing and, and, and keep going where you're going and have the freedom that you do. Are you? I guess, are you willing to trade the freedom that you have right now for uh, a piece of paper with a few extra zeros and someone else's signature on the front of it? Yeah, I mean, I'll do this as long as I'm still eating. You know, as long as I can eat and keep the lights on and, and get the bills paid and, and it works. There's nothing else I'd rather do. So you still I, love it? I, I absolutely love it. I love building stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I've talked about it. I, I do industrial furniture. I do custom one-off stuff. I, I love metal fabrication. I love mm -hmm. creating stuff. You know, I have ideas in my head of, you know, if I had the money and time, I would, I'd be pushing stuff out left and right. But, you know, there's, so there's a lot I want to do, and I do have a passion for it. But it, it, it is, you know, I've learned in a short time, it's 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 not an easy thing to you know metal fabrication and with all the things you said by myself in a small shop all the limitations uh and just you know kind of what i've built what I, I i like to think you know my business around is is quality and craftsmanship to put that in and, and go the extra mile if you will on every piece takes time and it takes uh you know i'm not willing to just shove stuff out the door because, you know, it's a numbers game, you know, and, and that's, I, I haven't mastered that, that balance of so, charging for my time and, and where people are not laughing me out the door or, or it's doable for them yet given a product that, you know, so at the end of the day, I always find myself putting my all into everything I do and uh, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I think that's why the work keeps coming, but at the same time, while I'm not, uh, you know, it's not the financial windfall that, you know, I, I think a lot, there's a misconception that, you know, with you have success and in turn, maybe some popularity or, you know, you get the exposure and, you know, I, I've won a big show. The golden boat was $30,000. Well, you know, life's expensive. You know, when, when I lost my day job, it, it wasn't exactly, you know, a, okay, I'm going to go full time. That was the plan. Um, there were some things to that and some business plans and some things that in the midst of it completely fell apart and basically left me, okay, this is what I'm doing by myself and I got to make it work. So, and that, and I have since that happened, you know, I've, I've found a way we have stayed busy, um, significant amount of bike stuff, but, but a lot of other stuff too, you know, if it, if it makes money and it's metal, I do it, you know, and as long as I can do that, I will, you know, and, and nobody knows what the future holds. I, no, I, I've, got, I've gotten to where I try not to think about it too much. You know, it's hard not to. Is there a panic button anywhere in your shop? You um, find look, you're look, you're, you find yourself looking for? No, because I always panic a little bit. You know, I, I can usually okay. straighten myself out. I think it keeps you on edge. You know, I mean, I, I'm a procrastinator and I, and I know that. Um, so I put everything, I meet deadlines, but I will, you know, if I'm not under the gun and I'm not under pressure, as hard as that is and as miserable as that can make me, that's unfortunately when I work my best. That's the only time that I'm ever able to produce anything of any quantifiable quality. Yep. I mean, I have to give myself a debt. Sometimes I have to give myself a deadline when I don't have one just to get it done. And, and that works in my favor when I'm really busy and have work backed up for a short time. Here at the end of last year into this year, I was pretty, my shop was pretty busy. You know, mm -hmm. I was 
to get a frame work done or something. I was about eight weeks out before I could get to your stuff. And, and so that creates stresses to get it all done and, you know, and stick to it when you tell them you'll have it. And luckily this far, every customer I've had just about has been really understanding on timeframes and, and not under the gun and it's made it easier, but having that constant pressure that this has got to go, this has got to go, it helps, mm -hmm. you know, but I still find myself, you know, well, I could have an extra day to do that. Well, I cram it all into, you know, the do last half a day. Do you give yourself, like, I don't work on Sundays. Unless I, uh, I'm going to a show, and I absolutely have to. But I typically, I, as a rule, I don't work on Sundays. So uh, do you do you have a rule? Do you like, okay, look, I'm done at this time, or I'm done on this day, or I'm, this is what I can contribute to it? Uh, build deadlines are, you know, like you said, for shows, or right. th that's a totally different animal. I mean, it's there's no rules. And it's whatever it takes, literally. Um, but generally, I try to take Sundays off. Um, the only time I don't is if, you know, I told somebody something and I know they're kind of counting on that and I'm mm -hmm. running behind or, you know, if I got to make up time, I will. Or if, you know, Tina's got something going that day or, you know, sometimes I just choose to work all weekend, you know. I mean, it, and, it, and it makes up that time or half days, but I don't, I don't have any real set schedule. I mean, at the end of the day, I put in a lot of hours. So where I put them is kind of just up to you. Yeah. Do you find that working um, from home? I mean, I know I don't want to make it like you. It's not like you have a home office, but you do. I mean, for all yeah. intents and purposes, your bed is 60 to 80 feet away from the front door of your workspace. So how much discipline does it take? Um, how much discipline does it take to, to do, to, to make sure you're there every day. I mean, is it a discipline thing or is it just something you have and you just do it and it's not, it's a nonsense. No, for me, I mean, I'm sure everyone's different for me. It's a discipline thing. It's, it's real easy to get, uh, sidetracked when you can, you know, um, you know, get, get a case of the lazy ass or, you know, Tina's and I schedules are quite different. So, you know, her day really doesn't start till 10, 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Whereas I'm always up at five, six in the morning. Right. So I come in and if we have breakfast, it's easy to get caught up and, you know, watching the news or talking or bullshitting, you know, and so, yeah, it does. T I got to be conscious of, you know, it probably would be easier if you got up and drove to work. But then again, there's flip side to every coin. You know, it, it's nice to walk right there and save the money and just eat out of the refrigerator for lunch. And, you know, I have a weight set behind the, the garage, the shop and, and, uh, so everything's kind of right there and that's nice. I can work later and I'm home, you know, mm -hmm. I'm right there. Um, you know, I, I have a bad habit when you talk about scheduling in your hours, you know, if I'm in the middle of something or I have a goal I plan on getting to, I'll go as late as it takes, you know, right. to do that. So, you know, but is it's, that how you do that? Do you give yourself achievable goals? Yeah. I, sometimes, you know, not always. It's just, a lot of times you're in a position where you can say, okay, I got this, this, and this, this is where I want to be by the end of the day, or I want to knock this out, or you get to going on something and it's one of those that changes as you go. And now right. you have a new plan and, oh man, this is way better. Let's do this. And next thing that. So know. those are fuel. That's fueled out of enthusiasm. Yeah. You get excited when you get a new, like, you know, you look at something, oh man, that'd be badass. You know, let's do it. And then and you make it into reality, you know, even if it's a bracket that's hidden somewhere or something, you know, it's. It's that little bit. Yeah, I do. I get excited about a cool thought and making it reality. I mean, that's part of, I think, what's always had me in fabrication and always coming back to it, you know, is 
you're creating stuff and for me that's and i think that's kind of why my stuff's been successful because i do love it and it is a passion and i'm really critical of my stuff and 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 i love it so and, and i think if you don't it shows you know i, I think there's just something I've said it a bunch today, you know, that there's a bunch of good, there's a lot of good fabricators, a lot, a lot, but only a select few we know that we say, you know, in the big scheme of things, there's tons of guys sure. throwing bikes in their garages and everywhere else that are doing cool shit, but that really get recognition or really get noticed by other builders or guys that have been successful with building or that are respected, however you want to look at it, you know, that. Does that, that mean, what does that, does that mean anything to you? Not to interrupt you, but does that does it do you do you get a dopamine hit from that what's that when you have a guy like uh let's use uh will ramsey for example somebody that i don't know personally i've talked to him a couple times but he and i aren't we're not acquainted really when a guy like that can give you an accolade and i'm not saying does it not mean anything but i mean like some people are like oh thanks i really appreciate that and some people are like holy shit like that's yeah, there's there's certainly a few guys that I've uh, through these past few years that I've had the opportunity to meet that I I knew who they were. You know, I've looked up to their stuff right. and and uh, I respect their stuff. And um, you know, it's um, and they they have said something about my work or praised it or um, you know, given me credit or you know wear my hat or right you know my shirt or something and and back my stuff and 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 how i how i do stuff and it it means an awful lot to me you know guys that are proven and and uh i have a lot of respect for and, and any, i think that works in anything in life you know if you really have a lot of respect for somebody and they and what they do and they give you praise for doing it um yeah, I want to quantify that question because I know that that question could be taken, could be misconstrued as is is a shitty, as fishing for a shitty answer, and I'm not. But like, I'll, I'll give you an example, and I don't want to hijack the conversation because this isn't about me. This is about you. But <clears throat> I, uh, we built this bike when we built this bike here. I mean, it's obvious you can tell looking at that bike back there who my influence was. You know, that's obviously a chopper's ink. Not a, if yeah. it's not a blatant ripoff, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. But I didn't. So he, that weekend, we go to Birch Run, Michigan. It's an indoor show. It's our first year. We're showing this bike. This is the first bike we're building by hand. It's my my former business partner and I, Evan. Billy Lane is there. Kendall Johnson <laughs> is there. Paul Cox is there. Kano is there. Ron Finch is there. The Detroit Brothers is there. Eric from Voodoo Choppers is there. Um a couple other people that I, I can't even remember who were there, right? But I thought Billy Lane was just the fucking shit. <laughs> you know, this is at this point, I had gotten a, you know, I had waited in line and got a t shirt signed from him. That's it. Other than that, I mean, this guy shaped the whole first few years oh. of my career. Yeah. He really did. I get there. We get there Friday, get set up. Saturday, I start not feeling well. I get the absolute shittiest. 24-hour flu bug I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life, and I'm locked in the hotel room, just completely losing every fluid in my body. Well, Billy happened to come by the booth, and he asked Evan, who who welded 
up the tank and who welded up the bars and, and everyone's like, well, that was Jason. And he complimented my welding. Well, that early in my career, that level of somebody giving me an accolade, that stuck with me. Like, uh, it's just, it just, it did. And it was something that meant, it meant more than probably what it either could have or should have or needed to be or whatever. I, I you know, you shouldn't always need somebody to tell you you're doing a good job, right? But to have yeah, somebody but. tell me that, that, that changed that 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 changed the arc of some of the things I did. And so, you know, some people don't get a visceral response. They're like, oh, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, I've been complimented by other people that complimented my welding that, uh, you know, I it was a very appreciative for it. But it didn't it didn't stick with me like that. So I was looking for kind of something like that that happened to you to where you're like, holy shit! Like, yeah, it's funny you say Billy because Billy was one. I was in. Uh... You know, of course, Billy was a big influence on me. We saw him in the biker build-offs and all right. that, and he, he was a staple in custom motorcycles. And, you know, I at, when I started with the red bike, and it was uh, more in Sturgis when I got there, um, he noticed it. And that's where we started really getting to know one another and talking. And then uh, when we got back home, uh, he had me over at his shop, and and we had Billy Billy's work ethic's pretty crazy. He's yeah. he's in his shop every morning at like three thirty, four AM. That's just the way it goes. So and I was working, uh, and my so I would drive over there. I'd leave super early, get there over in Daytona when he when he got there. And we spend a few hours in the morning and so we had a few talks that, you know, between us and, and compliments that he gave me that really maybe, you know, gave me the kind of backed up that maybe I am onto something or I, I, you know, what I'm doing is, is right. Or, you know, I'm doing a good job, I guess, you know, cause you, you don't know it was the red, but it was my first bike. And that's why the second bike was so hard. And a lot of it mentally, because when you build a bike and, and it accomplishes what it did, you know, it, to do something else, it's kind of like, what do you do? And so, you know, I had a I had a hard time with that, and then to for to win the Golden Bolt right off was was good, but nothing has taken the place of you know some key people that I really respected giving me that praise that really changed it. You know, uh, you know Jeff Cochran and I have had some really really good talks, and you know he's sucker punch bikes back in the day were a huge influence to me sure I mean, seeing that ad with those bikes working I mean, man I, I, special the, the, yeah that working the red and white remember the red and white uh the one he did that sticks out in my head like crazy if you look at my pipes i mean it's it's consistent with kind of the style he had on that one so it's you know that bike just always and that was at a time that i only dreamed of being where i'm at now so you know for him to sit with me outside of a hotel or wherever we're at and you know really have a heart to heart and, and not only praise my work but just take the time to talk to me and explain to me things that you know all his years in the industry has taught him and take the time to uh, you know to do that and explain to me he doesn't have to do that you know no. and, and, he, and and jeff certainly doesn't do that with everybody so you know those things go a long long way with me you know and and, and everything you know it's you know, I've always been a loner, so the, the whole social aspect of stuff this is kind of it's been tough, but it's helped me too. You know, because all sure. the interaction, I, I've never, you know, it, it was it's out of character. So, you know, but to be invited to the things I have and to get noticed, I mean, every little bit of that 
is important. Because like I said, at the end of the day, truth be told, you know, it's, I don't know how we all are, but I'm, you know, I think there's always some level of self-doubt. If, you know, I'm not the guy that's overconfident that. I, I think just, we're I all just, broken toys. Yeah, I think, you know, whether you, I mean, I just don't choose to, you know, put up a front that that's not the case. I'm pretty straightforward, you know. I mean, I, I, I've doubted about everything I've done and. You know, it's worked out, and every little bit helps, you know, and it gives you reassurance, you know. But, uh, you know, it's the, the people people along the way, influential people are, I think, is what still gives me the motivation that's now, even after all the accomplishments, that's the same as it was in the beginning, even after all that is because of the people that, you know, that and, and, and knowing that you influence other people too, that in a short time, you know, one of the coolest things I get are, and it's happened some, you know, here recently in the past six months or so, you start getting, and after, right after the traveling, you know, guys in their garage sure. and doing stuff that are at a day job and kind of know your story and what you do and how it all happened. It's almost like uh, gives them hope or I can do it too, or motivation to build something and get it out to a show. And there's a guy in Arizona that, hits me up all the time he's you know i know he's uh, he's hounding everybody to get his bike out there and it's you know he's he's inspired to do that so you know to have a little bit of i've been the guy at the at the weld table knowing there's no way in hell i'm gonna ever seemingly build a bike or do anything productive and it's my dream or if any you know but if that pushes somebody a little bit further or gives them hope or you know drives them to Maybe there's a the guy that does something that blows all our minds. You know, maybe he's the guy that, you know, just never thought he could. So he goes out in his garage because he sees somebody did it and somebody built the bike in the garage, took it to a show, and it took him around the world. Fuck, I can do it too. So if, you know, yeah, that's Billy, pretty cool to get those, to get that too. That When I saw Biker Build Off with Billy Lane building Misbehaving, I'm like, wait, this is this guy's job? Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking for real? Like, I put on a fucking suit every day. I'm not doing that no more. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'll tell you. So in closing, I'll just, I'll, I'll put it out there. You're exactly where you should be. I mean, you know, well, the numbers don't it. lie. You, you put in the work. I mean, you were the first one to the booth in, in at the hand built or handmade lot. You were the last one to leave. You put all of our bikes out. You wiped all of our bikes down. You were as big of a team player as anybody was, if not more so. And you, the other thing that 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 really showed me that there's no ego behind anything that you do when you show up was we were both asked to be part of this handmade lot. We were also kind of I'm not going to say the B team, but we weren't, you know, we weren't the A-listers there, right? Sure. We, yeah. you, you know, you were told you're going to have a booth. I was told I was going to have a booth. We get there and you come up right up to me and you're like, "Hey dude, we got to share a booth. We don't have we don't need chat." I I didn't give a shit and you didn't give a shit. We had, we made it work. We had a good time. There's no ego there. So, yeah. you know, I mean, whatever, whatever preconceived notion there is out there about that. I mean, we, we made that, we made that work for all of us. We had a great time. I got to, I got to meet somebody. Well, I had met X before I got to hang out with him and, and actually make friends with him, you know? And yeah. He, so he's, he's a great dude. I communicate with him on a fairly regular basis. We sent him a transmission as a matter of fact today, but I, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate I look forward to many more years of it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to number three. No, I'm, 
I'm grateful for your friendship too. And, you know, like I said, not too many people come to the shop and I've told you, you know, my shop's your shop. So it's, uh, and the same goes here. It's yeah. both ways. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. You know, it's, uh, I keep my circle pretty small. Everybody knows that. Um, and through this, it's gotten bigger. You know, there's some great sure. people in this, in this scene and, uh, you know, for us to be as local as we are right down the road, it's nice, you know, and, and, uh, I'm grateful to, for you to have me tonight and be a part of this, you know, any, anytime anybody wants to hear anything, I got to say, it's pretty cool to me. So it's, uh, you know, I'm always grateful and, and, uh, thank you. Tell everybody where they can find you online and stuff. How do, how do they com- contact you if someone wants a frame done and what's the best way? What's the, a- uh, most everything's through Instagram. It's uh Butera's metalworks. B-U-T-T-E-R-A-S underscore metal underscore works, W-E-R-X. I'm also on Facebook, Brian Butera. uh, But Instagram's kind of the go-to way for just message me there and uh, get back to you pretty quick, usually, within a day. Awesome. And so we'll see you at Sturgis, right? Uh, That's the the, plan? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, the the bike will have to leave. Number two will have to leave for the AMDs before that, if uh, if that's a go. Um, so there's a few things that we got to iron out. And I don't know what's happening yet. Uh, we've been on the fence with Sturgis. That's a pretty expensive trip and a pretty far one for us. So we'll see what we can do. Um, but chances are we'll end up there. <laughs> one way or another, we'll be there. But uh, you can follow me, and I'll keep everybody up to speed what's going on if you're interested. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brian, for coming over. I appreciate it. And uh, guys, check them out on Instagram, Butera's Metalworks. And uh, don't forget to follow us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or leave us a leave us a, a, a review because it, def- it, it definitely helps. So I appreciate it. Everybody have a good night. Be safe. Listening to the Hell on Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.